And so what we try to do right there is try to bundle those guys all together and, and kind of put those buckets to where they're deficient. And so from there, then we start the development process through maybe a little bit of competition. We kind of do a six-week phase of that. Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for being here. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I welcome Jeff Sherman, head coach at Marcus High School in Flower Mound, Texas. Coach Sherman is a native of Flower Mound and a 1999 graduate of Marcus. He attended Paris Junior College, where he earned all-conference honors, and after Paris, he played two years at Missouri Baptist, where he was an All-American in 2002 and 2003. Jeff took over as the head baseball coach at Flower Mound in 2013, and in 2014, he was named District 6, 6A, Coach of the Year. And in 2015, Perfect Game named him All-American Head Coach for the West Team in San Diego. In our discussion today, Jeff imparts the wisdom he accumulated over his seven years at Marcus. We also talk about some of his methods of training player deficiencies and preparing them for real game scenarios. And one more large part of our conversation was how Coach Sherman focuses on how to turn players into productive citizens to excel beyond the game itself. Here is Jeff Sherman. Coach Sherman, welcome to the show. Hey, man. I'm honored to be here, man. It's I, I've been listening to your show for the last couple of years, and again, I'm just honored to be a part of it. Definitely. I, I don't think there's been a coach's clinic in about two years that I haven't seen you at. So obviously you're a pretty personal growth junkie. And so I appreciate you listening to the show and I always appreciate your advice, uh, just texting back and forth. But for our listeners who want to get to know you a little bit better, uh, tell us about why you got into coaching. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, great question. I, I finished my baseball career in a, I was an AI player in St. Louis, Missouri. And from St. Louis, I, I married my college sweetheart, uh, Sarah, that we, we moved back down to Texas. And when I moved back down here, I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And I figured out, Hey, what's the better thing to do than being a financial planner? Yeah, of course. And so right. totally me. So that's like four years. And you know what? I think that was very, very good for me to learn how to communicate um, and learn how to uh, talk to other people and describe a picture to clients or whatnot. But I never saw, and you kind of talking about personal growth, like I never saw a growth pattern with my client or with someone else. And I, I think, you know, after being in athletics my whole life, and let me back up, you know, I, I'm dyslexic and I have dysplasia at the same time and uh, wow. um, have, you know, a lot of anxiety when it comes to like speaking in front of people and stuff like that. So I had these like disabilities and I had to really overcome those as I, went through high school and college and learning disabilities and stuff. And so fast forward, now I'm talking in front of like 40, 50 year old men about their money and stuff like that. And so I learned how to communicate, learn how to talk and stuff like that. But again, I just did, I felt like I was missing like this, like growth and uh, pattern of trying to make 
people and seeing where they're going except for their money. And as you know, like 2008 hit and obviously everything like kind of crashed and mm-hmm. actually got out before that and decided, you know what, I think like coaching, cause you can see growth in there and you can kind of monitor that, see that and help and guide and stuff like that. And I feel like the impact of like being a teacher and, and a coach was something that I wanted to do. And so in 2007, I, I decided to do that. And I was a football coach, a PE teacher, uh, and then I was fortunate enough to coach uh, baseball uh, during that time. And some obstacle I wanted to do with baseball, but you know, during, during that during that process was is like all I really cared about that time was was the uh, growth pattern of of how players and athletes kind of worked. And so, and I love competition. So that was another one too. So obviously um, I get to kind of feel that and see that through the eyes of my players. Definitely. It's something that you talk a lot about and you definitely tell the passion that you have for it whenever we're talking about jungle mentality. And, and we'll, t- we'll talk about that here in a little while, but let's go ahead and, and let's start in the fall. And, you know, what did you guys do this past fall and what's a typical week look like for you guys? And I know you're on block schedule, so you have your kids for about an hour and a half a day. So just walk us through what you guys are doing from the first week to really when, when you hit winter break. Yeah, we're, we're fortunate enough here at Marcus to, we are on block schedule, so we get them for about an hour, hour and a half a day, and there's a lot of time that we can do. And, and basically, uh, when I got here seven years ago, I, I kind of called that the lab. The whole fall is a lab. Basically, what I explained to the guys when they come in is, is like failure is something that we want them to experience. And what I mean by failure is, is I want them to experiment and I want them to feel and I want them to learn from maybe their swing, from uh, maybe their throwing motion to fielding the ground ball. And at the same time, have this like deep respect for the game and, and, and always learning. And uh, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of guys come out in our program. We, uh, we cut a lot of kids and stuff like that. And a lot of kids uh, get cut maybe one year and they make it the next. And I, I think it's coming back to this, you know, whole development program. So like, or, you know, we definitely want to grow the mindset. We want them to understand the movement patterns at the same time. And, and the biggest thing that I think we, we do here, and I think that, that I feel like it gives us a little bit of an advantage of Marcus's is, is, is we desire that weight room. And we're fortunate to have a, a strength conditioning coach that works them out at five in the morning and, and, and get after it. So they work out early in the mornings and then we get to see, and then I get to see them in uh, the baseball side of things in the afternoon. So a typical week for us, kind of uh, what we try to, uh, we kind of go into like three different phases. And the first phase is all movement. We, we want to control and we want them to understand the movement patterns. And I know that's kind of a new uh, word and stuff like that, but we, I've always done that. Is, is, is like, I want to understand their swing and how their swing works. I want them to understand how to fill the ground ball and, and the steps and the, process of fielding a ground ball or catching a pop fly you know and then obviously on base running like understanding how their eyes work and reading ball and dirt and all those kind of things so we kind of tackle those three things we can get away from because our guys uh compete all summer and they play so many games we kind of get away and we go through this like six to eight week development plan of understanding their body we want them to fail at the same time we're using a lot of data to uh, create that as well and uh, creating this blueprint through them the second phase we kind of go is is really the cognitive side and then think about this like think about like the box like the batter's box 
All right, that's ultimately where we start, or the pitcher's mound, right? And that's where everything starts. And then how do we use that in the cages, or how do we use that in, in fielding and, and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the cognitive side is we have to think through this, is is because everything happens so fast. You've seen all, all those statistics of like how fast we have to make that decision. And I'm really fascinated with that, actually. That's like something that I've, I wish I could grasp and understand and wish I was like a neuroscientist. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the things that we kind of tackle is, is, is this the cognitive side? So we, we grab the movement. Now we go to the cognitive side, like where each player is from rapid visualization, visualization, attention to speed target detection, you know, trajectory, impulse control, distraction control, and then uh, response flexibility. Basically, response flexibility is like, you know, can you, you know, drag bunt here? Or can you hit a hit and run or those kind of things? And, and I think everybody has a deficiency there, even the big league guys. They have a deficiency somewhere, um, like distraction control, like, it's a three-two pitch, and the guy swings out a pitch over his head. Like he would never do that in a in a BP setting, or mm-hmm. even in a, a regular bat. And, but just because he already made up his mind to swing, you know, like kind of where those are. And, and it's kind of interesting with that cognitive side is it's like how he does in the box is how he is going to be as a base runner. So you, you you know these players that you get up there and they don't pick it up as well. Maybe their speed target detection, like they get bad jumps on the. Uh, fly ball or they don't they're, they're like a, they're fast like they're they can completely explode and you know they're six five runners and stuff but they can't steal a base because they don't get good jumps right. and i think if you look at both of those it's probably the same thing that's happening in the box and so what we try to do right there is try to bundle those guys all together and, and kind of put those buckets to where they're deficient and so from there then we start the development process through maybe a little bit of competition and through things like that. For example, like I would, I would be different for a guy that maybe do that, that can't put, pick up fastball curveball would be different to a guy that maybe swings at everything. You know, it's a oh pitch and the pitch is a little bit out of the zone and he swings. You know, I would do different drills with those guys. For example, I'd probably do with a distraction control guy say, Hey, I'm throwing five, five pitches here. Okay. Two more to be balls. Three of them are going to be strikes. If you swing at the ball, you're running, you know, or, or some sort of discipline just to make sure that he kind of understands that that's the same. So we kind of do a six week phase of that, of like, you know, and that's the same thing of fielding the ground ball, obviously still doing movement, still doing those kind of things. And then the, then the next is more kind of like the team, you know, like now we're starting to develop the team kind of like understanding the, you kind of said it there just a minute ago, the uh, jungle mentality, you know, and that's kind of what we, uh, kind of the tough, toughness of, of who we are and what we try to do. Okay. So that's kind of like what we do in a weekly basis or, you know, weekly basis. We try to tackle all those things through a development process. I love that. And, and I love that you're really thinking out of the box. I think you're the first person or at least one of, one of the first people to talk about bucketing kids like that and you know while you're on the on the subject of the jungle mentality and what you guys are trying to do Mm -hmm. as far as competition and practice why don't you uh go ahead and jump both feet in (laughs) yeah and so i kind of had this term and and i want to make sure that people understand this like i love my guys playing select baseball like summer baseball i think there's sometimes people have two different things i love like he had bleaker on I think he is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the most intelligent guys. Like all these guys that are in the cage, like you call them cage rats or whatever the development process is. All right. 
those are different than how we play. Like those, I, I think we have to separate those. And I think we have to separate because for me, it's um, for my guys, it's a win and a loss. When you're in those environments and maybe the cage or sweat ball, like the sweat ball is more for like recruiting or, or, or those kind of things. Like there's very little teams that are like, Hey, we want to win a national championship, you know? And those are very select few teams that can do that because they get the best of the best and they go all the way up there. But I'm not sitting there telling you like, that's a bad thing. I think that's a huge process of our kids developing, becoming better players. So I just want to make sure that we understand it. But when I talk about the jungle mentality is, is, is this is the game that we play in, in, in our, in, in North Texas. And, and that's in anywhere is, is that, you know, people scout you, people know your deficiencies, people don't like you, you know, let's, let's call it as this, right? I mean, uh, I'm not going into an opposing team going, man, I just hope we play well. And if we lose, we lose. Now we're all going in there because that's who we are as men is, is we're going out there. We want to win. We want to do what we want to do. And so again, and in in, in I, I use the zoo and I use the jungle. You can't put a zoo guy in the jungle because he can't survive because he doesn't know instinctively what's going to happen. He doesn't know where the attack's going to come from. And so when we talk about the jungle and how we use that in practice is, is like I throw everything at him and I change it up all the time because adversity might hit. How are we going to react? How are you going to do that? And so it goes back to like your self-concept, your self-motivation, your why, all those kind of things. And you better have thick skin because I can tell you this, when we're playing another team, and they strike us out, I'm sure the other team is not going to sit there and go, man, I feel sorry for that guy that just struck out. You know, I'm sure they're going to be excited. They're going to be happy, just like we would in our fans. Sure. And so when you get into the game, it's, you know, we call it the arena. You know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fight. And how are you going to use those tools and that mentality and that thought process when you're up there? It's a little bit different than being in the zoo in a controlled environment. And honestly, that's all we do in the fall exactly what we do now i know you know there's a lot of, of people that are instructors that do kind of what we do but when you're doing that and they know your weaknesses and they know how to expose your weaknesses you know for through scouting and all that kind of stuff is is you got to learn how to fight and adjust and so i just kind of come up with that phrase is kind of a honestly it's just something that just kind of came up with and uh, I know it's probably millions of people probably use it, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I'll just try to create that mindset for my guys is, is, is yeah, you know, cause you got to get them away from kind of that summer league feel because what are those pitchers doing in summer league? They're trying to juice up their arm and throw as hard as they possibly can. And, and if they hit that 90 mark, it's awesome. So some of our guys that can really hit fastballs, you know, they're going to have success there. And there's very little scouting because they play so many games. Mm-hmm. Not to say they don't, but like against us, we have really good, league that we play in and really really good coaches and they know every one of our guys weakness and they know how to expose that and obviously you got to pitch it but so that's the thing that i try to go with and that's kind of how we do our practices when we get into season is, is is creating that mindset of of like we, we learned what failure was all fall right because we're, we're allowing that to happen we're like all right hey that didn't work let's try something else now it's like going all right, we know our swing. We know um, where my weakness is on my backhand. If it's a, if it's fielding, slow roller, whatever it may be, we know that. So we got to work on that still. But at the same time is, how do you execute that in the game? Mm-hmm. And so that's the the question. So we try to get into and and I love 
that's why I love the game of baseball is because man, you can, uh, there's something very cool about watching a pitcher and a hitter. I mean, that's like awesome. Just watching that battle between two, because there's a winner and a loser there. And the, between those two guys, one guy's letting the team down in a way. And so how do you respond and uh, attack the next pitch or next opportunity that you might have uh, to be successful? So again, that's kind of what we do. We kind of, you know, we try to look at every single angle and where they might go from, because that's what a lion does. That's what anybody that's out in the wild is. They're always looking ahead to what they're going to eat. They're always looking behind it make sure they're not getting eaten, you know? And so they're understanding every concept, every angle, and, and they have really good awareness of who they are and what they're trying to achieve. So I love that. And and I love that you're, you're putting a lot of that on themselves to try and figure out what they do well. And, and I think that's something that we all, we as coaches can all do a little bit better is helping each, each player understand at least from both sides of the coaching side and the playing side of what they're good at, what we see on a daily basis, what they feel on a daily basis. And, and I really like that a lot. That's something that I need to do a better job of for sure. But talk to us about, you know, the culture that you guys are building at, at Marcus and continuing to build every single uh, year and well, every single week of every single year, really. And you're, you're talking about the pack a lot on social media. Why don't you dig into that for us a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a deep passion for where I coach. You know, this is where I went. I went to high school at Marcus. You know, over the years, you know, it's been open for about 35, 37 years. I, I can't remember. That's, that's probably a mistake on my end. But, you know, we've been we've been open for a long time, and, and, and we do have a deep-rooted baseball community in the Flyer Mound or just the North Texas area. I mean, it's 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 really, really good. But but here's the thing is, is building that culture is like we've been really inconsistent throughout that. 30 year process for seven years. We, we, we started to climb into this, like, Hey, that we're really competitive year in, year out. And, and the thing that, um, what I wanted to bring is, is the pack. And now I, I heard this from Dag back in 07 when I was down there working at an A&M camp. And he kind of talked about that to the campers mm-hmm. when I was working in their camp and, and it really struck me. And, and, and that's kind of where I get the uh, kind of like my mind started working on the jungle. Uh, mentality of like fighting out there and stuff like that. And the pack is, is something that is for us, for Marcus is, is family unity, selfless, and, and we're going to serve others. And that's something that I want to make sure that they understand. And, and, and every baseball coach that's listening to this can understand this is, is like, we're not here to win games. Obviously that's a product of, our success by working hard every single day to make these guys motivated and play to the best of their potential. I get that. But the end of the day is, is our job. And really my job, I feel like here is, is making these guys become better leaders and not in this microwave mentality of like, Hey, I need to have this other person tell me that I'm good for me to be good and have the self-worth. I want them to be bold leader and speak up when things aren't right and serve others, be in the front of the classroom, know about, you know, all these things. And that's kind of what we kind of create as the pack. And, and something that we do as far as the culture is, is, you know, we have a, a local kid. He's actually a friend of mine that I graduated. His, his son has had cancer for the last five years. It's brain cancer. It's, it's not good. Mm -hmm. And he comes to our field every Friday after he gets chemo. I mean, he's like hurting, not wow. feeling good because, you know, he's just getting zapped every, every day. And this, this kid started at seven. Now he's, he's like 
I think he's 12, 11, 12 now. And, and our kids get to see that. And how do we serve him when this guy is coming for us, for looking for, and, and he talks about, to us is, as he talks that like, he feels like the reason why he is living longer is, is because he's watching us of how hard we play and giving him hope. And so, you know, we see him every single day or every Friday and he comes to our games. He's there and, he, and he's living this life. And we want, I want, I want our team to understand the purpose of why we do what we do, mm-hmm. uh, the impact that it can happen. And so like, I feel like our culture and what we need to do, and I think it's my duty and I think it's our duty as coaches is, is learning how to serve others. So every month we do something in the community of, of serving something. If it's the retirement home, if it's cleaning up, if it's uh, CCA, whatever it may be. And, and just so that we understand that like, it's so much bigger than baseball. And I want my guys when they go off to college or if they play, is that they maybe get, or that they understand the the reality of that when you work hard and you give everything you have, and maybe it doesn't, it's not success in the world's eyes. Then it's still okay because you give everything you have, and mm-hmm. and that it's not about you. It's about the relationships that you build with others, and that's the culture that we want to create. Is, and so I do a lot of things within our team of building that relationship with each other. For example, we'll pick up a guy and I'll be like, Hey, tell me your story. Mm-hmm. You have 30 seconds to tell me your story. And so he has to get up there and he has to learn to communicate in front of the team and, and have a good self-concept and have, uh, have good awareness at the same time that it's uncomfortable, but it's still okay because it's your story. And so again, that's the, what I'm trying to create here at Marcus and, and understand that we're playing for something way bigger and there's not an end to it. The end is when you pass away, when you die mm-hmm. and uh, that we give everything we got in hard work. And so that's what I hope. And that's the culture that we're trying to build here is community against selfless and uh, creating an opportunity for us to be uh, the greatest person that we possibly can be. All of that. And I think that that's you know absolutely fantastic. And, you're not the first guy that's been on the show that said, you know, we build a better baseball player. And I'm a firm believer that success leaves clues. And that's why we're all doing what we're doing today is because somebody did that for us and helped us to realize no doubt. the biggest impact in the world that we could possibly have is to be a coach. And so I love that. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, you're throwing out a, a ton of unique ideas. And I, I really like that you're thinking out of the box on a lot of this different stuff. But if I was just going to bluntly ask you what's something unique that you guys do, uh, what comes to mind? I think it might be my dyslexia or something or, or the way that I think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I always think back to the very beginning of like, what's the root cause of this? And, and something that I thought of, like, you know, something about unique is, you know, it's not unique. I think it's like kind of like big right now is, is like, I've always thought that a negative plus a negative equals a positive. It's like multiplication. Right. And so like, if a kid is struggling at something, make it harder on them. Like, for example, if, you know, hitting wise, he's, he's definitely getting under the baseball. Well, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get him on that mound. that's going uphill. And now he's going to have to recreate, correct that. So force and fill is kind of the things that I do. Um, I do a lot of band work and stuff like that within our hitters and, and yeah. creating fill stuff. So I'm always trying to, my, my mind and how it works is 
is I try to create the environment within my player to feel what it's going to be like in the box. Mm-hmm. And that's my job. And I always do that by probing through question. And, and that's kind of tough with high school kids. I think it's a little bit easier and probably maybe college because high school kids are like, how do you feel? Good. And then you have to like really get in there and be like, no, no, no. Tell me what you felt when you, when you crushed that baseball, well, my legs, <laughs> what do you mean by your legs? Right. And so you have to really, you know, find how that person ticks and kind of get into that. So kind of unique. I try to, I try to create this individual like zoo mentality, I guess we were talking about earlier, like get them in the cages and kind of create that and kind of be more individual uh, than being more as a team and like going, all right, survival to fittest, throw them out there. Here you go. Best man wins. And so I try to steer away from that because I know that didn't drive me as a player. I wanted the connection and I wanted to become better. And I think kids want that too as well. So I don't know if that's unique or if that's just something I try to do. It's a lot of work, but it's not easy being a coach at the same time. Oh, it's extremely hard for sure. So you've got a bunch of guys that, and you've got some really good players rolling through Flower Mound. I think uh, that you guys and Flower Mound High School both are uh, are really good baseball areas. And so you you've mentioned a couple of different times that you're trying to get them to gel as a team. But at the same time, how are mm-hmm. you? How are you prioritizing their individual development? And you've you've mentioned it several times, you know, off the field. But what are you guys doing in practice to make sure that each player has an idea or a plan of how they're specifically to get better? Yeah, absolutely. So I take a lot of time in our practices of individual development, and we do that. And I have good coaches here, and so it helps to kind of spread that out. Mm-hmm. I have a great pitching coach. I have a great, um, I, have a, I have a good catching coach and I do all the hitting and, and infield stuff. And so what we do a lot of, I spend probably an hour a day. So like what I mean by an hour a day, like, so 30 minutes of individual hitting. And what we do by that is, is like, it's all movement patterns. It's all things. It's, and, and I'm asking each question through a drill. It's how we start practice for about an hour when we start our season. We started a couple of days ago, by the way. And so well, through our season, I want to get 30 minutes of like them working on their swing, kind of understanding how that, that ticks, what they're struggling with, if they're picking it up, going back to those cognitive ideas and kind of matching those uh, through the movement and, and give them some little bit of help like today, hey, you got to do this, this, and this. And we start that off usually in the practice. That's how we do things from individual defense at the same time. I'm working on something different every single day. Okay. Uh, within our infielders, within our outfielders, something that's going to play in the game. And I'm all about movement. I'm not about like, hey, get on our knees and let's let's do short hops, or let's just do T work. You know, which is definitely good. But like at the same time, is I want to create the movement and how the how it's going to play in the game every single time we do something. Let me take a few seconds to tell you guys about On Base U. On Base University is an organization that studies how the human body moves in baseball and softball. They offer certification seminars that teach coaches, trainers, and medical professionals how to assess an athlete's physical ability to perform movement patterns that are specific to hitting and pitching. For example, they just put up a blog post on their website, onbaseu.com, that discussed why hip internal rotation is important in hitting and how they evaluate it with their On Base U screen. If you want to learn more about OnBaseU, I did a podcast with the OnBaseU founder, Dr. Greg Rose, episode 78, 
and he talked about how he modeled the screen after golf assessments that he created for TPI. They are hosting pitching and hitting seminars in Phoenix, Newark, and Houston over the next few months. I will be attending one soon, and I hope to see you there. No, definitely. I think that's that's really, really good. And and so um, let's go ahead, since you, again, mentioned that you guys started a couple days ago. Uh, take us through what a typical practice plan looks like, and preferably not the one that you sent me yesterday, which you were at the field for 12 hours. Oh, no. Yeah, that's, uh, so we have a lot of kids. Yeah, that, uh, that, was, that was definitely a grind. It was awesome. All right, so yeah, that, that's good. Uh, I think how I do it, and I think a lot of high school coaches do it this way too, or they don't do it, but I think they think this way maybe. Mm-hmm. But I think about like what's going to win and what are things that are going to win in high school baseball. I, I think high school baseball, and I might be off on this, but I think most of the time, I would say almost in the 90% time, Games are lost, not won. Okay. Through an error or through a mistake, a, a hustle play or something like that. And I think in high school baseball, pressure has a lot to do with it, especially in our league where we have a lot of good players. When you put pressure on them, you can kind of see that they do something different. So we want to work and we start off every single day. We start off with base running. Like we do some jog stretch, we get ready, and then we do kind of our base running routine and I got this from TCU. They do a great job at base running. I mean, I think that's what got them to the World Series plus pitching. Getting them there, they do an outstanding job of base running because you got kids full of pitching. They're ready for practice. Then you kind of put this priority on base running, um, something that's really not taught uh, through that process. Or the same thing is is it's a good time for pitchers to get working okay. of changing up looks and doing that kind of stuff. So we have we're fortunate to have POs, uh, pitcher only guys that could be up there, but, but that really helps us. I, I, I think that's what winning and loses games is, is definitely has to do with, with base running. And so we do, we start that off every single day. We, we go out there and we do something in base running. If it's first and thirds, or if it's first and second, or right now all we're working on is like, Hey, how to touch first base in the front part of the bag, like mm-hmm. little things like that, because we're so early into it. And so, and obviously there's a periodization process that we want to get to, so hopefully we're going to have a long playoff run of kind of what we do. So every day we kind of check that off and, and move forward and, and make sure we accomplish that. And, and, and we're really detailed and, and going back to the you know jungle mentality, like that's the thing that we like really control is, is, is the little things like touching the front part of the bag or on the inside turn, you know, make sure that we're hitting the corner of the bag instead of the middle of the bag. I mean, it's unbelievable to watch that, by the way, even my varsity kids have been taught this for four years or senior kids have been taught this. It's still, it's like unbelievable, like how much base running is not taught. So sure. we go from there and then we go into like movement hitting stuff. So we'll be on the field where there'll be shoulder turn and all those kind of things. And then we do a lot on drag bunting. I think a lot of games are one on drag, but we want to make sure going back to that jungle that the wind's blowing in and uh, they got a good pitcher that can sink it. Uh, we better be able to bunt. And if we can't bunt, we're probably not going to win. We got to get base runners. We got to understand we better hit the um, center of the baseball and hit the ball hard. Um, we can't put the ball in the air much, you know, with the wind blowing in. Mm-hmm. And as you know, in Texas, the, the wind is can be strong and can go different directions every day. And so we want to know how to adapt to any situation, to a pitcher, to a um, obviously to a to elements as well. And so 
we do we do drag bunning and, and then we do some a lot of movement things. So we do that for about thirty minutes. That's where that individual and I start talking to the guys and getting more into it and and, and at the same time trying to understand their personality. Sure. Because at the same time is the you know, with those two times, those both those times, those can be grueling times where it can be boring and monotonous. But I want them to have fun and I want their personality to show and I want to have conversation like I am not the dictator of we're doing this, but like, hey, I'm their coach their advisor, their mentor. I want that to be kind of what they look at instead of this, oh man, he's rough. I don't want to communicate with him because I don't want to be wrong because that doesn't play in this game. Sure. What plays in this game is guys that are relaxed, their heart rate's down, and they have 100% confidence that they can master a task. And that's kind of what we're uh, trying to do during that time. Then we go drop, stretch, throw, and then we go right into individual D. And that's just like the base running. We periodize it from movement patterns and we work on that from there, from the hard backhand to the forehand, uh, ball down the line, uh, outfield, you know, coming up, throwing it instead of the crow hop, all the way, you know, different things every single day. And we try to do 20 minutes of them to master that thing, whatever that thing is, uh, whatever that drill is. We want them to master that movement. And that's a whole, that, that's kind of my thought process is mastery. Mm-hmm. I want them to master. And I think we get away from that. It's like, oh, yep, I did bunning today. You know, or, oh, I did infield. We did our fungos. They should be good. No, no, no. I want them to master that movement. Okay. That's kind of my thought process. And that, I think that takes 20 to 30 minutes sometimes, uh, depending on uh, what it is. And then from there, we do, we, we, we play some fun games in that from a team concept and put some adversity situations in and uh, make it tough. And I make bad calls all the time, try to be the worst umpire imaginable mm-hmm. if we do situationals pop-ups whatever it may be and so we do a team defensive setting uh through that and then the next we crush we're, we're getting after it offensively and then we come back and hitting and uh we get absolutely after it and then we usually finish maybe with an inner squad if we have an arm that needs to throw we try not to do bullpen it's kind of interesting and maybe that's weird that i are unique that i do we don't do bullpen settings um, maybe I'm different on that. I, I want their bullpen setting to be live and to getting after it. Obviously, if there's an injury, that's different. Or he's not ready yet, that's different. Obviously, bullpens are good for that. I want them to be out there and effectively working on their pitches and doing it in a, again, a jungle environment. Like, mm-hmm. all right, I, I got to get out on second. I got to hold the runner on right here. And I don't want him to spill or, or whatnot. And so, we try to play a little inner squad at the end. And I think live at bats are always awesome for hitters as well. And then live at bats for defense is always great. And so that's sure. kind of how we kind of periodize that whole process. Sure. Let's roll back a little bit because I always love to hear about how other people's batting practice is set up. So can you uh, take us through <laughs> yours? Yeah, absolutely. We always, the very first thing I want to, I got this from Hefner, uh, DBU. And I, I've had three players that, that played there at Dallas Baptist. And the one thing I really like is, is, is kind of the external focus that they have. And that's all we do in, in a BP session is like external focuses. So our very first one is, is I want a power ground ball. Just a power ground ball right to the uh, second baseman. I, I, I tell them I want, I, want, I want you to break the second baseman. If you're right hitter, break the second baseman's hands. I want you to break your shins. Like, give them a focus of, like, I'm hitting it that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to hit the ball there. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm creating this energy to get to that get to that ball. And then from there, 
I do a lot of different things. And this is where I change it up from group to group. You remember I told you about the uh, cognitive side? Mm -hmm. And that's how I group it. You know, it's not like I have a power guy over here and I'm like, I want to try to group it. And so I change that up. But we always do power grab ball and we always hit the ball up the middle, line drive. All right. We call, I mean, we absolutely want to just crush the baseball as hard as we can. I have cones up so they can see them and they just crush it right up the middle. Uh, the guys at Valdosta State, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Those those guys, I think he's a hitting coach at Kentucky now, but he wrote a book and that just like totally like goes, oh, that's a gr great out of focus. Well, I've seen that kind of play into our kind of thing. So again, we want to hit, hit a baseball. So the first two rounds are usually a power ground ball and a line drive up the middle. Okay. Then I change it up from different uh, per group. All right. And so my, my third round is always something different that I want them to master. Let, let me ask you this, John, if I, if I told you you're deficient in English, but you're really good in math and really good in social studies. And we work on every single day. We work 33% on all three. Are you going to get better at English? I mean, you're going to get better just by doing it. Right. Right. You probably want to work probably 80% on one and maybe 10 and 10. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Just to make you efficient. Sure. And so that's going back to the cognitive style is, is I, I think we, in a BP setting, all those cognitive things that can play in and at bat in the box, we do every single day as a, as a coach, but like try to define them of where they might be deficient at and playing that to a higher ability instead of just feeding like, okay, I can see fastball curveball really well. And then you keep throwing it and you do that every single day. Like, are they getting better? But they get that distraction where they swing at that pitch up every single time. Cause they can't lay off of there. Right. They know it's not a strike. They can tell you it's not a strike, but it's up. Right. And so we kind of do that every single day. So like uh, one group might be like, okay, you know, the five balls in the back and I want you to hit your hot zone. If you don't hit your hot zone, you're going to tell me where your hot zone is. And you're only going to swing at those pitches. And the other one might be, we call it dirty 30. They don't like that one. It's actually the most hated one is where I get up there and I am the best strikeout pitcher of all time. So I go up there, I'm 30 feet away and I'm throwing a absolute seat at them or a slider and they can't hit it. Now, if they're listening to this right now, they would be talking trash on the other side. And that's where the personalities really come out between coaches. Cause I talk trash, they talk trash and in a healthy way. But it's really fun. And so I try to say I'm the strikeout king at Marcus High School. But again, so it gets kind of competitive during that. And so we, you know, that, that might be a drill that we do in that thing, in that third round. And then fourth round, you know, we do probably four to five each day. And then the fourth round is getting them back on track. All right. And, and, and we want to do a barrel control, most likely on that one. And so I'll be like, all right, hey, hard off, boom. And so I change it up on them every single time. Hey, keep this ball fair. Throw it in or half and keeping it fair, line drive, right? Sure. And then the last is I want them just to, it, it, to get after it, Ron. You know, we are going to get after it. And if you foul one off on the top or hit a pop fly, you're done after four. So you get four free ones. And then after that, if you just keep crushing and crushing and crushing, that's what we call it, crush. All right, you go in there up to 10. And so that's kind of what we try to do and try to create and try to create this time. And it's usually the funnest time uh, that we do. And at the same time, uh, what we do in the cages, that's, that's pretty interesting. Sure. Um, yeah. Go into that. If you don't, so we do. Yeah. So in the cages, so that we, we have four groups 
And so one group's fielding, one group is hitting on the cages, and I have two groups in the cage, I have four cages. So I take one cage and I put the, uh, I take the cage back, so I have two big cages, right? It's a big, long cage. So I put slider machine on, and it's going about 83, and it's like a 95 slider, right? And so they go 95 slider, and we always do angle toss there. So you got a guy that is feeding the machine, slider machine, or it might be fastball that day. It's usually slider or fastball. And then I get a guy that's angled, all right, and throwing them angle toss and trying to keep the barrel and, and, and hitting the baseball. So you're getting slider, angle toss from a live arm. Slider, angle toss, slider, angle toss. So, again, you're kind of getting a little competitive and, and creating a different eye awareness there too. So um, we do that. And then okay. on the side, it might be overload, underload, and, you know, something that is out there of, is more of a work on swing. And, again, per group, we kind of change that up. So, oh, I really like that. Do you guys do like live defense or base runners or anything like that with the other groups? Heck yeah, we do. And, and that changes up uh, daily. So what I just told you is probably if we just uh, accomplished a lot in base running that day and we went like 30 to 45 minutes, we probably won't be on base. But most of the times, yes, we'll be on, on the bases. So we'd only have one group in the cage and one group out in the field and that would be base run. So you go from hitting base running, fielding cage or cage hitting on the field, base running and then field. So yeah, we have that. And then going back to live, our JVs out there and they are live everything. And so we have a thing where we lay out for everything. And so it teaches them. I think kids don't lay out anymore. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I was like, gosh, I want to be dirty every single day. That's just kind of my mentality. And so we lay out for everything. And so it teaches them to lay out and definitely have some stories. And when I was in college where I laid out and pretend like I was coming up to throw a guy out the plate and the third base coach thought I had the ball, the balls in center field. And the third base coach held them up and that was a winning run. And then the next guy popped up and we got out where that guy could have easily scored. If, if I didn't lay out and pretend like I came up for the ball. And so we kind of talked through that of like why we lay out. And I think it sends a message to the other team as well. as like, Hey man, we're here to play. We're here to get after it. And so that's kind of like uh, kind of the rules of mentality that we play. We play a live game, like they're catching and they're throwing across mm -hmm. and we want them to be as live as possible. Cool. Do you guys uh, track anything in particular or as far as data goes, or what do you guys like to look at? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's all fall. Okay. Um, that we do, or if a guy's struggling, we'll bring him back in, in the spring. So all okay. fall is that development of swing. And so we test once a week. I shouldn't say every Friday. We try to test once a week. And normal stuff is, is we do radar off of overload, underload, regular bat. Um, we try to do that daily in the fall, but we record it usually once a week. Okay. All right. And then I'm big on like bat plane and bat thing. I know there's a lot of different things out there. We have dynamic kinetics and kind of tracking that swing and making sure. And I, I think you can only do that if it's live, like a live pitch, like a BP pitch. I don't like doing it off the tee. I want to see how that swing plays through movement. Okay. And so we do that. Those are like cheap versions. And then we do the other cheap one is just our own uh, video. And we do huddle technique and kind of get that. And we can send it off to players if we need to or whatnot and kind of describe what, what maybe that deficient, what drill they might need to do and what movement was needs they need to work on or whatnot so yeah cool. so do we do stuff yeah we don't do the rap soto we don't have the i mean we probably could but more for us right now what we want to do is we want to 
kind of focused on like, I want to see how the bat plays. I want to see how bad, how fast that ball is moving off the bat as well. I love it. Now, so you're going back to uh, several years ago, whenever you first got the job at Marcus. And if you could go back and tell yourself something, uh, what would you tell yourself, tell your first year self? Yeah, that's a great question. That's actually an awesome question because, uh, you know, I was 30 years old when I got a job and, at Marcus and we have 3,300 kids at our school and um, very active parents. And to give you a history of Marcus is, is when I got there in a seven year period that I was the fifth coach. Okay. So coaches were getting run out of town every one, two years and kind of uneasy. And I get the job at 30, not even being a head coach before. And yeah, there's a lot of anxiety going into that. But I told myself I would never change of the way that I coach, like as an assistant coach to a head coach. And I haven't. But the thing that I've learned uh, through the process is, is the defense mechanisms that go up between the player and the coach when you're an assistant to a head coach. It's like all of a sudden in our day right now, it's like the head coach is, is like, he's feared, he's big, he's bad, or whatever it is. You know, it's kind of this like, you know, mentality of like, there's this defense. You know, as assistant, I can always go sure. to the assistant. And and I had to learn how to, like, my voice spoke real uh, a whole lot louder as a head coach than it did as, a, as an assistant. And so understanding that and learning through that was probably the biggest thing that I had to overcome in, in trying to get more intentional within my players that I can't see their personality, but they can come to me about anything and everything. And so that was probably the biggest hurdle that I didn't know. Sure. And that leads perfectly into the question I was going to ask you next. And it's something that I struggle with because I'm a little bit of a people pleaser. And I just I want my all of our kids to be really, really good. And I want them to be able to fulfill their lifelong baseball dreams. But again, it it doesn't always work out like that. And there's only, you know, nine that you can put in in a lineup. And so what does it look like from your side whenever either you see their frustration of not being able to play or you can kind of sense it, or do you kind of work that in as far as the preseason goes and, and kind of talking about mm-hmm. their roles or, you know, how do you navigate that? <laughs> it's tough. It's the toughest thing as a coach is that one, I think, but I think the more honest that you are within the player and telling them why mm-hmm. and giving them, as much information as you possibly can of explaining why creates the culture that you want to get. For example, every player in my team wants to be on the varsity baseball team. Every player wants to be a starter on the varsity baseball team, but I'm going to have 25 guys on my varsity baseball team this year, nine play. I'm going to have a lot of guys sitting on the bench and how our season is, is we play three tournaments where everybody kind of plays because you play six games in three days. Then after that, it's the craziest thing. You play seven weeks and you only play 14 games. So you play 18 games in three weeks and you play 14 games in seven weeks. Mm-hmm. And you go from playing, maybe you might be the starter to not even playing in district, you know, in that seven week period. And then you have playoffs. And so how do you combat that seven week period? of them grinding it out every single day and trying to prove and become that. Well, self-motivation declines big time, especially when you're not playing because the culture we live in 
And I think the best way to address that is, is communicate, communicate, communicate to them and being intentional, tell them you love them, tell them you care about them, tell them that you're there. And so, again, I think for me of trying to master that has been tough over, that's another thing that's been really tough for me over the last um, seven years here at Marcus. But that's something that I feel like the reason why we do go on long runs is, is everybody's on the same page. They know why. They understand. And these guys have played together since they're five, six years old. And, you know, I just get them for this four-year period here. And when they're seven, eight, nine years old, they're looking at Marcus, believing that they're going to play on that baseball field. And when they know that they're not playing and trying to motivate and empower them to continue to go and continue to push and continue to be above status quo, that's the toughest thing. But then once they do and once they buy into it, it it's it's pretty electric what what can happen. And sure. So. Sure. I really like that answer. And it's something that, that I do not from a head coaching role, but just from an assistant. I I've been trying to get better at just doing it more instead of like preseason and postseason meetings of, hey, this is what you can do to get better. It's just having a lot more, I guess. I don't want to say off the record conversations, but just more daily conversations about, Hey, this, yes. you know, if, if you need mm-hmm. to know, or, Hey, this is what I'm seeing. I still love you, bro. And, and all of this different stuff. But uh, at the same time, you talked about being on the same page and being as honest as you can. I think that's, it goes into a big part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely huge. And, and you can always get that feel. And if you're disengaged within your players, you'll never know, but, when you are engaged and when you are asking those questions as simple as like, Hey, how'd your school day go? And you get that short answer, right? you know, there's an issue. Then you got to be, I know that he's not acting right right now. His motivation might be down bad day, girlfriend, whatever it may be, you know, with high school kids, it's, there's gotta be that communication just being like, okay, what's the, and then you get to that issue. And then the issue, you know, comes right to the top and, 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 and we get through it. And, you know, th- those are tough conversations, but I think that's something that, we have to do uh, so they understand because, you know, a lot of guys are like what you said is, is like they're non-confrontational. They might shut down. They might still work hard, but they're kind of still in that disinterested. How do we get that kid to open up and communicate and talk to you? That That's the tough question. For sure. How does it change whenever you get the inevitable parent email about playing time? <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. Um, yeah. I get that a lot. So oh, okay. well with us, with here is, is like, it, it's, it's a little bit different because they don't, they do it within the community though. They don't really come to me, but you know how I combat that though. And I can't control everything. And I've kind of gotten numb to this. This is a tough place to coach. Obviously I told you that we had a lot of those guys that I'm the second longest tenure coach in a 35 year history here at Marcus high school. So that might tell you a lot. And we've had like nine or 10 coaches that, that have come through here. And so I'm in a place that's really tough from a parent and from an environment of, of hostile parents that want them and high achieving parents as well that expect the best out of their kid. And to combat that is I do have a, a preseason uh, like a conversation within my players and my parents. And I tell them this, and th- this is something that I think, I think every coach should do is, is talk to them about how parents should act. And I think this, let, let me tell you a story, John, that when I was a sophomore or junior, junior in high school, okay. I tore my ACL. I was coming to play 
and baseball. After I tore my ACL in basketball, I come into baseball. I'm healed. I'm ready to go. And I was in the starting lineup. I come home. My dad sits there and berates the head baseball coach, says he's stupid, he's an idiot, and stuff like that. I had a choice right there. Toughest choice in my decision. Do I agree with my dad or do I agree with my coach? If I agree with my dad, I'll never play. If I agree with my coach and have to work hard and understand that, I'm going to have to, if I want to get to where I want to go, I have to go with what he's saying. Because that's actual and that's factual. Because he sees it different than the way my dad does. And that caused a lot of like conflicts within me and my development as a player become the best player I possibly can because I had to make a choice right there. Something as simple as that caused me to have this like really hurt decision I had to make. And so I try to explain that to the parents and it's like, yeah, you can disagree with me. I get it. All right. But do that between husband and wife. Do not tell him because he loves this game. He cares for it. He cares about his team. Tell him things like, hey, Go talk to coach. Help him become a better person of learning how to communicate with others when things aren't right. Mm-hmm. Or tell him like, hey, let's go work hard. Hey, I'll take you up to so-and-so to go hit. Let's go. Or what do we need to do to get better? All right. Have you had that conversation with maybe the assistant or, or, or whatnot? And then if it becomes like an issue where he's disgruntled, he doesn't want to be here. Hey, let's have a family meeting because you're the glue that holds us together. For us to be successful, you are a huge part of this. Parents are. And when we ignore them and shut them off and say, we hate parents, I think we're doing a disservice to your program. I really do. I, I think you, you have to, in high school baseball, you have to engage them. You got to remember that they, they only care about two things, their safety and their well-being. And then often there's a lot of other things. But when they feel like their safety and well-being, health, kind of comes into play there from a mental side of things, they're going to act a little different and goofy that different than what we are. And we have to understand that and know how to combat that. Not to combat that like, oh, it's me against you. It's more of like, hey, here's the reasons why. Maybe I can do better. Maybe make that a learning environment. I, I just feel like sometimes you 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 hear coaches say it's like, oh, we got the nasty email. Well, why do we get that? How did you get that? Mm-hmm. And so Again, I, I think they're a huge piece to success within your program. Sure, sure. I really like that answer a lot. And, you know, something else that you're doing a great job in, in the community and you get really involved in the youth organizations and maybe want just one in, in, uh, in particular, but you talk about helping them build a mastery program. So, uh, again, I would love it, love it if you dove into that for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's something that I have a huge passion for. I really do. Now think about this. There is, I think there's 5 million coaches that are unpaid in America, all sports, hockey, all the way to gymnastics, let's say youth baseball, youth basketball, youth football, and all that stuff. Right. And how many of those guys have no, got the email and said, you know what? Um, We need someone to coach so we can make this team. Well, how many of those guys are like, well, I want my son to play. I guess I'll coach. I have a little bit of time. Let's do it. But I don't know very much about the game. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm one of those because I know nothing about lacrosse. Sure. Right. But I want my son to play lacrosse. Right. 
And I know maybe a little bit of movement things, but I don't know how the game works or soccer, like crazy. Like you see what I'm saying? How can we as, as coaches that have knowledge and know like scientifically how important it is for these coaches to be teaching proper practice plans and creating a mastery program to be great. Right. And see, here's the thing is, is what I've done within our local organization, it's called the uh, FNYSA, which is a huge organization. It's tons of fields. Here in Flyer Mountain, we have more baseball fields than we do basketball courts and football fields. Crazy awesome. in Texas, right? It's awesome. Unbelievable, right? And that's why I think uh, Marcus and Flyer Mountain High School are, are really competitive in baseball. And so we dove into that, and I got with the, uh, the GM of the league, and, and I was like, hey, we got to get something where the coaches have an understanding of what they're trying to teach instead of like, Hey, I think this is what we're supposed to do instead of having an agenda of mastery. And I think that's something where we need to, as a, as a country need to fine tune that, especially in our sport, because we're losing to international play big time basketball, football now, Baseball, obviously, with a lot of other countries now getting involved that we're seeing in Major League Baseball, especially in the minor league system, right? And yep. where are we in our development when we have so many coaches and so many resources, and how can we make that better? And uh, that's something that I have a huge passion for is this. And, and here's another thing. is Out of the $5 million, there's $2 million every year that are new. So we're losing almost a fourth of our coaches every single year. And we have to re, I guess not re coach up uh, the coaches. And so that's kind of in my heart is, is, is trying to get these guys to kind of have a mastery program. And so we have a mastery program from age three, all the way up to 14 and they have to master. And by the end of the season, we want them to master that from, they obviously have a youth as far as rec ball, organization all the way to a premier and then they have a select ball so each development is different and creating that person to understand the movements and uh, to be successful so that's that's one thing but the the thing that i think i uh, i love doing is we do a development night and we try to accomplish that once a week we do it on a thursday night and uh, we just get after it. we get all the coaches involved and we get about six fields and we got a bajillion kids and we go through drills and uh, go through uh, things because then it coaches the coaches and it also coaches the, and the kids benefit from that. And so you see that development process uh, start working. We did this about a year ago and man, it's been, it's been awesome actually. And I got a couple of the local high school coaches that kind of come on board with us and, and, and work on that. And uh, definitely it's tough. It's not easy, but man, it, you start to see guys starting to get better. That's one. And coaches not really worrying about the win more worried about development and that's more my focus is there's too many coaches that are like hey i want to get the best player and if i get the best player we're going to win instead of like hey we need to work on pickoffs because we are the worst team working on pickoffs and we might lose a couple games because we're focusing on pickoffs that's okay or base running or whatever it may be and you're focusing on developing the player to get to where they want to go instead of like hey we got to win every single game winning is obviously something we want to create but at the same time we want to make sure that they're getting better and understanding the game. So, uh, yeah, I had a huge heart for youth baseball in America. I don't think there's really any better way to end the show than that, but 
I know you've got to get to a, uh, you're actually speaking tonight at church, right? Is, is that about right? No, I'm actually, I'm actually speaking to the local select team. That, that's that's um, what it was. That okay. we're just talking about. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's any of our listeners that want to get to uh, know you a little bit better or ask you some questions, what what would be the best way to do so? Yeah, I mean, you can email me, shermanj at lisd.net. Um, that's the easiest way. I'll send them on Twitter. I don't even know my Twitter handle name. I'm, I'm like so bad with social media, but yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, yeah, you can, yeah, you put that in there. And then obviously Marcus baseball and stuff like that. But these ways probably email. Yeah. Try to get a hold of me for whatever reason. But again, I'm, I'm honored to be on here and, uh, just tell you kind of what we do here at Marcus. And I appreciate what you do for the, the game of baseball. And like you said, like I'm all about trying to get better and understanding what's new. Um, I, pre- uh, I love listening to the guys that you have on. So I'm honored to be a part. Definitely. Well, I'll just open up the mic for you, you know, one more time. And uh, is there anything else that you really like to tell our listeners before you go? Yeah, man, you live one time. And what impact are you going to uh, leave on this earth? And uh, that's what I live by daily is it's not about, you know, wins and losses, the relationships you have with with people, um, obviously with my wife and my kids and uh, that's it. And I try to explain that to my kids daily. Like they have one time in high school they have one time in college, you know, it's a very important age for them. You know, I call it the crossroads. What they do now is going to set them up for the rest of their life. And, you know, obviously things might change, but as far as your mentality of how you attack it. And I, I think that's something that we have to understand that we're going to be in a grave one day. And no one's going to care about your wins and losses, but what's your legacy that you're going to leave behind? And if you have faith and believe in a higher power that you're going to go to heaven, well, that's me. But for anybody else, like I want to make sure that I leave that legacy within my players. I want to leave the legacy of them to know that I care, I love, and I'll serve them at any time. And I fail at that miserably yearly. But if, if I continue to try to get better, that's kind of my hope and goal. So. I just want this game to get better, and it's at a great place right now, I think, across the country and uh, with all the new science and with people like you and trying to develop and great coaches that, that are out there. Yeah, so, but, Shamir, we live once, and don't get caught up in the day-to-day. Don't let the stresses of the day worry about you. Worry about where you're at right now. And so, that's all I can say. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.